Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that fuck my baths overflowed. Uh, each week we invite a new expert to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. And what was that? So that tagline was courtesy of uh, Pipsqueed27895514. That sounds like uh, a bot. Yeah. Are the bots <laughs> doing our taglines now? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, um, it, it's a chat GPT one. It's not bad. <laughs> but it is better than anything you've come up with. Um, <laughs> so welcome to Eureka, the show that fuck my bars overflowed. <laughs> It's fun to say. Um, what are we doing today? Uh, well, you've just had a baby. Famously. So I feel like it's time I passed on my wisdom to you as a, as a father of two. <laughs> right. uh, so we are going to discuss what, according to science, it means to be a good father. Okay. I mean, obviously, obvious point here, I've met your kids. Just bear that in mind at all times. <laughs> um, but I, I will concede that you do have more experience than me uh, of this. Um, so, uh, yes, fine. Um, do you think you've done a good job? I think I've, well, I mean, I set the bar for myself quite low in that I, I said, I just want to be a better father than my father was. Ah, and he was crap. <laughs> he was terrible. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, astonishingly, he was better than his father. So we're, we're sort of wow. going down the line, really. Uh, but, but steadily it, it, improving. Steadily improving. So, so my father famously left when I was one mm-hmm. and uh, and we met again when I'm I was... sick of you already. <laughs> It took, it took him 11 months, basically. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, no, <laughs> not for uh, me. We met when I was 21, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm sure I've told you. Mm-hmm. But the thing was that he got in touch with me and um, and said, you know, shall we meet up? Sort of absolutely out of the blue, which I thought was amazing um, and brilliant. And like, you know, he was, you know, we're, it was all going to be restored. And then like subsequently, I and mean, we would get on absolutely fine. We'd get, get on quite well. And um, But I did find out down the, down the line that he actually got in touch with me because he was in therapy and his therapist, instructed him to sort of get in touch with everyone that he'd wronged in his life. <laughs> so, I, you know, for me, it was like, oh, amazing, like, you know, reunion, it's all going to be great. And for him, it was just like a checklist. Yeah, just so he'd go into his next therapy session and be like, yeah, I got in touch with him. Yeah, yeah. And you get off my back now. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, he didn't have a great parenting model, a fathering model, because um, his father also left um, when he was pretty young. And um, <laughs> one of the things my father said to me was, well, I did pay all the child maintenance that I was, that I, that I had to pay, which again, quite a low bar. Mm. Um, but his father didn't. So his father, when he got divorced from my grandmother, mm. they went to court 
my grandfather was a Freemason, and uh, and so was the judge. And there was a kind of nod and a wink and a funny handshake, and he didn't have to pay any child maintenance. Wow. So, um, so basically, my father grew up really like they were massively struggling, like ma- absolute poverty, uh, because of the the good old Freemasons. Yeah. So, so, so what we're saying is. You're from a lineage of terrible fathers. Yeah, yeah. But you have. I think you I've are smashed improved. it. I, I mean, by those standards, I've smashed yeah, it. Yeah, you have actually. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. So, uh, so, so lots to lots to impart. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we all have an idea of what a great father should be. Maybe he's strong yet gentle. Maybe he's playful yet firm. Maybe he's the one who tells the best bedtime stories. Stick man lives in the family tree. Maybe he's the one who's always there with a listening ear. Dad, can I talk to you about something? But is being a good parent something that's innate? Is it something that could be learned? Or is it something that's shaped by culture, society and personal experience? Some argue that a great father is someone who provides for his family, the breadwinner, the protector. Others believe that a great father is someone who nurtures his children, the caregiver, the emotional support. Come here. And what about the importance of fathers in a child's development? How do fathers impact their children's lives in ways that mothers may not? And how does the relationship between father and child affect the child's overall well-being? As a new sleep-deprived parent myself, I'm very keen to know the answer to this week's question, what makes a great father? Boring. You'll be please, know, I'm, please I'm don't tell me you're not the expert. The expert. <laughs> <laughs> I would have quit on the spot. No, we've got uh, Dr. Your dad? <laughs> <laughs> Can I introduce you to my granddad? <laughs> From the grave, presumably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this week, uh, the expert, where we're joined via seance. <laughs> we are joined by Dr. Anna Machin, who is an evolutionary anthropologist. Uh, She studies the neuroscience of parenthood, and she is the author of a book which I have bought for you. Oh, lovely stuff. Here you go. The Life of Dad, The Making of a Modern Father. Well, thank you. Obviously, I've been through it. I put notes in all the bits I recommend and and put on my own. And and, and scribble some stuff out. No, no, no. No, that's not right. Don't worry about that. Oh, that's Uh, excellent. Well, thank you. So that's the story of fatherhood and what it means to be a father today. Couldn't have got a sign for me, no? Okay. (sighs) Yeah. And what am I doing? Am I reading it now or are we, are we <laughs> no, 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 I think we'll I think we'll get on with the podcast, shall we? Yeah, okay. Uh what did you uh what did you ask her first? So I got her to tell us how the role of fathers has evolved through human history. So humans are quite an unusual mammal because we have investing fathers and only 5% of mammals actually have investing fathers that stick around and we are the only apes, so it's very very rare. And so the question arises, why did it evolve in our line? Because generally it's not something that happens. And the reason for that is a combination of two things. We're bipedal, which means we have a very narrowed birth canal and we have enormous brains. So our brains are six times bigger than they should be for a mammal of our size. And because of that, we have to birth our babies much earlier than they should be birthed just to try and fit the brain through the birth canal. And for about the first million years of that happening... The way we dealt with these very dependent babies was to turn to our female kin. And female kin helped each other to raise their children. But about half a million years ago, our brains took another massive leap in size and suddenly that kind of girl power grouping together was not enough. And so we had to turn to the next 
genetically related person and that was dad. So about half a million years ago, human fatherhood evolved and we needed fathers to step in to make sure that those babies survived. So the evolutionary story, it's so rare because we have this these two anatomical quirks which have meant that we had to have it in our line. So I feel like I'm uh, very much learning on the job as far as fatherhood goes. Yeah. Um, but I do know a bit of biology already. So if you look at the animal kingdom, fatherhood tends to be, if anything, a sort of caretaker role. So in, in primates... You know, things like, if you look at like a tamarind or whatever, the males carry the baby. So it's kind of quite a, quite a practical role, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Are human fathers the only species that take on more uh, developmental roles as well as the practical stuff? Well, since doing my research for this podcast, it, I've discovered yes, but I think previously I would have said, no, I was just like a tamarind, yeah. <laughs> just like picking up the slack, basically, <laughs> when, when Philip was just like absolutely ground into the dirt. Yeah. I was like, no, I'll take them out to the park and I'll, mm. I'll do this. And uh, But you know, from, from what I understand of what Anna's found, that actually human children have to go into such a sort of complex life sort of story as they're going in that actually there's a lot more work that needs to be done than can be done by just you know one parent so 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 humans have a sort of special thing like they've got super big brain which means that we have got a super complex environment and lots to explore as we sort of grow up into it it's a huge world out there and the the father's job according to Anna's research, really is to prepare the child for that sort of super complex world out there um, rather than just like, you know, picking up the slack, carrying it on the back kind of thing and just doing the sort of very much the practical sort of needs to be done kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a whole extra role that I didn't mm. know that I was supposed to be doing. So I'm, I'm slightly irritated yeah. <laughs> This is good for me, though. This is good for you because you yeah. get to know I mean, this my, in advance. My, my role is expanding quite significantly. Yeah, but yeah. That's, but that's fine, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Have fathers become more involved as societies become more complex? Then, so kind so, of. So what what she's found, and and we'll kind of get more into this later on, is that it's very culture dependent. It depends on what environment you're in, what okay. role the father has to play. But the bottom line is that that human fatherhood is focused on when it's done right and i'm not saying i did it right um this is really i like, undermined my confidence this whole <laughs> thing. I, you were so smug going i into was this. so smug going into this and now i sort of feel like oh mm. oh oh i sort of feel like i need to start again but kids are up for that now apparently I, mean, I did ask them should we go to the park i, I, I thought you meant start again as in Oh, is that a whole a new baby. family? <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think just so being there. I, no, I'm not. I'm not there for that. You know. Um, so, so one of the things is is like one of the basic things about fatherhood. Apparently, is doing things like rough and tumble play. So, so that kind of which is surprising, isn't it? Right? Hey, or to we, me, it was surprising. It, it's definitely. I mean, I can't be doing that now. No, no, obviously not yet. Yeah. So you, you I, I, but you know I'm that a unit this is and coming. The boy is tiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, it's funny you Although say. Although he's quite sort of wriggly. Like I feel like he wouldn't, and they're quite strong. I mean, I uh, we had this once with um, with Philippa's brother, who was like playing with Millie when when she was really small, and like doing a bit of rough and tumble, and like doing that thing where you swing them around in a circle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dislocated her elbow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I had to take her to hospital, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Presumably, the nurses and the doctors all thought you'd done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, there's been a Why few, the police few occasions when, when I've been asked quite penetrating questions about yeah. how this injury happened. Mm. But anyway, so so it's all about sort of because that kind of play. Sort of, you know, which involves sort of risk. There's a bit of risk involved. There's reciprocity. Uh, it, it's sort of social interaction. It teaches you in a very safe way how to read other people's sort of signs and all this yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. and understand empathy and turn taking and all of this kind of stuff is is like you know it's very much in in every society the role of the father. The mother doesn't do it so much. It's um, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you. And this is a way to sort of scaffold the child's entry into the, into the wider world beyond the family. This is not something you have to sort of really sort of worry about just yet, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but this but is this is yeah. what's what's okay. coming for you, and this is what you've actually got to almost put aside time to do, which do is know, really interesting. So here's here's something that I was genuinely I don't know if I would say I was worried about it, but it definitely had occurred to me, and so I read some stuff about it, which is that. The bond between mother and baby under normal circumstances is pretty immediate. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Um, and it's all sort of, you know, and, and you can kind of figure out why sort of hormonal, physical, like yeah. it's just all there, isn't yeah. it? And that isn't necessarily the case with fathers. And I was like, oh, what happens if he... <laughs> so have you actually worried about that? If it, yeah, yeah. What happens, basically, I was like, what happens if he comes out and I don't really feel anything? Oh yeah, that, I mean and that I was is classic. Sort of quite anxious about that. As it happened, it was uh, like for me. I think maybe I just got lucky and immediately came out. I was like, "Oh, this guy! <laughs> I love oh, this guy!" Yeah, I was, oh, I was that's like, "Probably straight... the narcissistic part of you." Isn't yeah, it? maybe. It's like, yeah. This, this one's mine. Yeah, I made this. yeah, yeah. But I was, so, I was yeah, like, yeah. straight from the bat, like, "I love this little man." Oh, that's really good. I'm, yeah. I I read there's four recognised stages to becoming a father. Not for me. The, for, no, the <laughs> first one, I, and I think we've talked about this one. The, the first one is the trigger moment when the reality that you're going to have a baby. Right. Ends. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's that. Yes. And uh, and I think that I remember us us talking about that. Yeah. Uh, then there's an awareness of responsibility stage when the implications of becoming a father begin mm. to basically take shape in your mind and you start yeah. to think ah. Yeah. Okay. I have. I am responsible for this one. Yeah. 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 This, yeah, this, yeah. this, yeah. this child is not going to be like. But it those definitely. Ones. I mean, it completely informs like every decision. Yeah. Already. Yeah. 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 Because it has to. And then there's the transition to fatherhood stage when basically your identity as a father sort of starts to sort of become like. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, this is what I am now. Yeah. Like, I guess that's where it's informing all the decisions. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the fourth one is the emotional conflict, which is the evolution and processing of all the competing emotions and desires and thoughts and expectations. It's like you don't know what to expect, what's coming, mm. how to react. Mm. Maybe you're not at that yet. No, maybe not. I'm fairly sort of, uh, yeah, I feel quite focused on him as yeah. being my sort of primary, uh, yeah, motivator. For yeah. So the, no the sort of stuff. sense of conflict yet, not, really? Not at the moment, yeah. no. I'm just like, I want him to be happy. How am I going to make that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's um, good. That's yeah, good. that's sort of... So, that's, I mean, that's, that, that's interesting because actually um, the, the bonding thing is a real concern. And, and, and yeah, Anna, well, Anna talks about that sort of quite, about, yeah. um, quite openly as being like something that's easier for mums in that, you know, it's chemically triggered. Mm -hmm. But for dads, it's not. And, um, and it's... 
it's just something that you have to wait for, as uh, as she explained. Oxytocin is is one of the bonding hormones that underpins human bonding generally, and we see increases in it in both mothers and fathers uh, when they become mothers and fathers. The difference for mums and dads is mums kind of get a head start because oxytocin is actually involved in childbirth and breastfeeding. It, it underpins the start of uterine contractions during childbirth, and it also is involved in the letdown of milk. So mums get this kind of side effect of going through those processes, which gives them a head start in the bonding stakes, and it does. Fathers have to build their bonds with their children because they don't go through those massive physiological changes through interaction. And they do that by touch, by play, by singing with the children, that kind of thing. But the trouble, because they do it through interaction, it can take longer for a father to bond because babies in the early stages don't do very much. So getting that lovely reciprocal give and take is quite hard. And and we we know of of a delay in bonding sometimes with fathers. Whilst they do feel a bond when their baby's born, it's generally based upon genetic recognition of, okay, this is my baby and I love it. And it's it's quite a cognitive conscious thing. Six months down the line, when the baby is developmentally advanced enough for there to be reciprocity, for there to be play, to be all this recognition of different personalities, we see a much deeper bond, sort of a second stage of bonding. And that's very much based on neurochemistry and the release of things like oxytocin and dopamine and beta endorphins. So what I always say to fathers who can sometimes worry that maybe they don't feel their bonding in the same way that their partner is, is that, you know, don't panic. It's, it's a well-known phenomenon and that that bond will come. Yeah, the panic I'm getting from that is not that I'm not sufficiently bonded. It's that I, it doesn't feel like I've got anywhere to go if it's going to ramp up. <laughs> oh, really? And like, my, my little head's going to explode. Because your brain is already changing. Like there's, yeah. there's recognised changes in the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex with, with just becoming a father. Mm. And over the next six months, what's going to build up is that oxytocin thing. Ooh. Where you are gonna basically? This is gonna be fucking explode. intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Intense is probably the word, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, wow. yeah. So if you're already sort of feeling it, and, uh, and so you're and you're going to be doing all that sort of you know the playing and the singing and all the kind of you know interaction that goes on, and mm. that's that's going to get more and more reciprocal action mm. as as your baby develops, and so you're going to get more and more oxytocin, and um, I mean, you can actually get um, they've done experiments where they just give new father's nasal spray of oxytocin, which sort of accelerates the whole process. Don't think I need that. No, I think you should stay away from nasal sprays yeah. of oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I read the boy, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, yeah. Last night. And um, it, it, it was interesting. It went quite well in that he was definitely looking at the book as I was reading it and sort of reasonably captive yeah um i was pointing at the various things that the, the caterpillar was eating through don't know how well you remember the book it's not very it's, it's a great book i mean yeah, yeah it is a great book caterpillar wakes up eats his way through you know one apple then two pairs and then three, yeah. just holds yeah. his way through lovely but then wakes up like an it says a very fat caterpillar it's huge yeah and as soon as we opened a page with a very fat caterpillar he was like no and started crying <laughs> just really i really hated it to the extent that i barely managed to finish the book why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the, the idea that the, the caterpillar was getting body shamed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's very odd. He <laughs> was completely happy and then really yeah. completely unhappy. I think you can relax in that that just that process of interaction will be just part of the 
kind of the brain reward, the dopamines. Yeah. I mean, you're getting stuff out of it. Even oh, if he yeah, isn't. yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. well, what I've said to him is, we're reading that book again tonight. <laughs> and you're going to get past that. <laughs> We're going to get past this. <laughs> Have you read him any of my books yet? Uh, not yet. No, no, no. Because he's uh, he's actually sleeping all right. So don't. Any, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny, like re- researching this stuff, and you read all these. Like I've been reading papers and like looking, and in the end, it does come down to like you know play with your kid kind of thing yeah and uh, and interact with your child and 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 you sort of read these brain studies and I'll quote from one of them it says stronger father in Stronger father-infant bonding was reported by dads with greater MPFC, precuneus, and superior parietal lobe connectivity. Importantly, increased supportive and positive parenting behaviour was correlated again with MPFC and LOC connectivity. This is important because it suggests that these brain regions are not only important for empathy and perspective taking, but also tie in with motivational systems and subsequent behavioural outcomes. So what, what are you meant to do with that? It's like, be a good dad is effectively like, you know, just be a good dad and all this stuff will happen in your brain. Yeah, but it's yeah, not like yeah. you can go in and say, oh, we can bypass this or we can shortcut. Oh, we've no. seen what's happening with the brain mechanism. So we'll just give you a, a, a zap and, and, and sort that out. So I sort of feel a bit like, you know, this this kind of area of research is sort of interesting, but not but very not useful. Yeah. yeah, not very helpful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Because all it can tell you is what sort of behaviours might promote the things that they're seeing yeah that's it and there's a sort of worry that like one day they're going to develop brain scans that will tell you like no you're you're not gonna be a very good dad yeah no oh dear oh, the connectivity is terrible not with there. that brain i'm afraid yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of quite i don't know i find it i find it a little bit worrying because this is obviously something we've evolved to do mm. um and you know not everyone evolves i guess in the same way that it makes them a good dad or or not and uh, i guess you know we, we can get on to that but it sort of feels like, yeah, it's quite basic in a way, isn't it? Yeah. That kind of, it's interaction and time. Well, I'm, I'm taking a sort of um, a position that is, I speak to the baby as if the baby can understand everything already, <laughs> which I know is not the case, but I'm like, well, this is the policy. I'm just, that's, not, that's just what I'm doing. Yeah. And so when I'm changing him, I'm like, okay, now, yeah, left arm out now. Yeah, thank you. Now get your right <laughs> arm out. And that, lift your legs up, please. No, don't kick. Lift your legs up. All that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and he obviously just sort of absolutely blank. I've got a fucking clue what's going on. <laughs> but, but I'm still, I'm still, you know, going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. I, I, ch- I chat to him a lot. And his first word's going to be octopus, isn't it? Well, it better be. It's going to be hell to pay. Yeah. Uh, Okay, time for a quick break. When we get back, we'll discuss the role of testosterone in fatherhood, the benefits of having a good present father to a child, and we'll be answering today's question, what makes a good father? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. So is my brain changing then? Just, so your just brain by is changing just by doing this. Mm, mm. And it will change because you've got this new bond that's developing and, and the oxytocin hasn't properly kicked in yet and it, it will start to kick in sort of over the next few months. Um, and also your, your body's changing because of... Uh, you're basically getting a hormone sort of change going on right now. Um, oh, what's happening to me? Your testosterone's <laughs> catastrophically dropping. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is, yeah. why is that? Is that... Is that useful in evolutionary terms, in in terms of keeping me sticking around? Yeah, yeah. That? Yeah. So basically, I'm less horny. I'll let Anna explain it. The lowering in testosterone is important, and it's something that happens in all creatures where we say investing fathers. So whether you're a bird, whether you're a mammal, you will see this drop in testosterone males. And it's important because it switches the motivation of the male from mating, where high testosterone is really important, makes you much more successful, to parenting. Because we, we, we need your attention when you become a parent to be on the family, not on the horizon looking for the next mate, basically. So that drop in testosterone is important. Also, we know men with high testosterone are much less likely to be motivated to care for their offspring. So if we need an investing father, we need to get rid of some of that testosterone to make sure that he's motivated to care for his offspring. They tend to be much more empathetic and they tend to produce much more profound and and healthy, secure attachments to their children. So that drop in testosterone is really important. Very interested to know what kind of testosterone level your dad and granddad had. Well, so interesting studies that show that um, basically fatherless sons have higher levels of testosterone than those with fathers around. So, so nobody knows whether that's a genetic whether link, they've inherited that, yeah, 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 or whether it's because the father wasn't around. Somehow, the sort of pathways mm. involved have just meant that that you you have an elevated level of testosterone. Could, could be both. Yeah, fairness, it could be it? both. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really, really difficult. Nobody knows how to separate the two. No. But it could be that there's a sort of pathway where uncertain times means you keep your your testosterone high and the absence of a father sort of is an indicator of uncertain yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, yeah, so that's sort of, you know, it's something like 16% different, basically. If you grow up uh, without a father in your um, family home, in your unit... Um, your your testosterone would be about sixteen percent higher than somebody who um, who has a father around. So you're going to be packing some testosterone. Well, you'd think, wouldn't you? But I'm not yeah, sure I, I ever I, was. I, I, I would never have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> is, is there any um, downside? To yeah, low testosterone. Yes, there after? are, and we we know that low testosterone is um, is a precursor or can open the door to depression. So fantastic. <laughs> so like um basically any any kind of drop in testosterone has been linked with depression and, and people who get testosterone therapy uh more in the U- US where it's easier easier to do than in the UK uh they report like symptoms of depression alleviating just through having testosterone supplementation. So so your drop in testosterone does leave you more um, open to getting Vulnerable. a kind of mm. postnatal depression, mm. and actually, um, it's it's 
in women, postnatal depression is about 14% incidence. Mm-hmm. And in men, it's about 10%. So it's not that different. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's not That's that different. It, you don't hear about it particularly. Well, you do don't you? hear about it partly because men don't talk about it. Mm. So, so one of the things that Anna has always sort of tried to push is the idea that we need to talk to dads and find out how dads are doing because actually they they are going through and they're also going through stresses in terms of you know lack of sleep and and changed identity as well which you know can be a mm. precursor to uh, lack of sleep you say <laughs> yeah. mm. oh, i mean it's hard to imagine you your sleep oh, getting no, any worse it's ringing a bell it's ringing a bell yeah yeah so um do you think your sleep has got worse or or not changed actually oh it's it's, it's loads worse is it? It's so I'm so much sorry worse. to hear that. He says, laughing. "It's so much worse." Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because uh, I, I kind of right. thought with your, you know, getting up at three thirty in the morning, it might not actually make a lot. No, of No, it's just another layer of it being fucking awful. <laughs> it just in terms of the sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you say obviously sleep deprivation is not great, and and sort of opens you up for you know feelings of of depression as well. Oh, good. So. But, you know, let's, well, let's, so let's keep I, I talking suppose, about it, yeah, so you'll so be fine. The thing that I want to know then, if I'm you know, suddenly sort of opening myself up to get depressed, yeah. is it is it worth the effort? Like, is it worth being a good dad? Does it? <laughs> do we know that it has a positive impact on the child? Seems like a, seems like a sort of statement of the obvious, but I wonder if we do know that That's, for sure. It's a really good question. And, and we there is so much research that says having a present active father has massive outcomes like incredible improved outcomes for the life of the child which is amazing how far i've got in life to be honest yeah think what you would have done i mean i might have been prime minister by now yeah terrible thought but yeah, <laughs> but yeah so, so we do know that having a, a father around has a really positive impact that's something that anna talked about This is a really political area as to whether fathers add something or not. I think, first of all, we need to define what a father is. A father is not necessarily the biological parent of a child, and they're not necessarily involved in conception. So they may be biologically related. They may be an uncle, a grandfather, a brother, whoever it might be. Human fatherhood is highly flexible, and it's highly flexible because of the requirement for a child to have a father to make sure that it gets the most successful uh, development as it can possibly get. So when we look around the world, as an anthropologist, I don't just study fatherhood in this country, I study it around the world, and we see many different men stepping up to be fathers. We might even get whole teams of men stepping up to fathers. So first of all, we have to be very clear about what we talk about when we talk about fathers. Fathers are not about genetic relatedness, they're about who steps up and does the role. When we see a child who's got some form of father in their life, then they tend to be much more successful in terms of entering the world beyond the family. They tend to have much more success in, for example, correct behaviours, emotional development, emotional inhibition, things like that. They tend to be much better at what we call pro-social behaviours, so that's sharing, caring, helping out behaviours. As adolescents, they tend to have much more mental resilience, so they're much less likely to suffer things like depression or anxiety, low self-esteem or loneliness. And there's a lot of data now showing us that having that male figure in your life is very, very important, but it does not have to be the biological parent of that child. So effectively, you... I, I could farm it out. That's what we're saying here. <laughs> it doesn't have to be you. <laughs> I don't want to I mean, do that, but it's interesting to know it's an option. take home from this podcast... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
presumably... I mean, on the I plus then, side as well, by the way, if you lose contact with your child, uh, your testosterone, testosterone comes back. Bang! Yeah, <laughs> I'm it, back it in comes business, back baby. to pre-birth levels. But I'm not getting the oxytocin. No, there's, there is that, yeah. There must be, I'm going to be losing out on stuff, and presumably the bonding that the child has is going to be with the this caregiver that I've bought in. Yeah, 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 there is that. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Have you no. have you talked to my father about this? Uh, he seems no. quite happy to have done it. <laughs> well, in fairness, I don't think he arranged someone to step in, did he? No, he didn't arrange someone no. to step in, but yeah. He, he yeah. just arranged for himself to step out. <laughs> <laughs> That's slightly different. <laughs> did you, you don't have to answer this, when you were growing up, did you think, where's that guy? Or yeah, you, yeah, all the time. Did you sort of feel like you missed him? No, no. Or, uh, not no. that you missed him, because I guess you didn't really know him. I didn't him, know who he was, and I wanted to know who he did was. Did you feel the absence? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Definitely. And I had a stepfather who, in my recollection, wasn't great. Was, you know, in fact, far from it. Right. But I don't have any rec- recollection of my early years. So it may well be that he actually stepped up and did a lot of the stuff that needed to be done when I was young, because he, he came in on the scene when I was like maybe... F- two or three, like really young. So I grew up with him sort of doing so, so, that father role in a sense. But he didn't feel like the father to no, you, no, really. No, no. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because so, you would have thought it, coming in that young, it might have... Yeah. Because there are a lot of stepdads who obviously have a fantastic Well, I, I think I must have had some kind of good relationship with him because, for instance, um, he was like a, he was a Leeds United fan. I've told you this. Yeah. And I spent my sort of formative years, like from about five to about, well, to about eight years old, always wearing a Leeds United kit. Mm. You know, so, so there must have been some influence yeah, yeah, yeah. and some yeah. kind of, you know, whether that was him sort of imposing something. But, but obviously there was some kind of bonding going on there for that to happen. So, so, you know, but I can't remember much. I, I actually asked my kids uh, yesterday, as part of my research for this, mm-hmm. like whether they can remember me taking them to the park all the time. Because I'm convinced that I used to do a lot of the you know, heavy lifting in terms of, you know, getting the kids out of the house, taking them to the park, doing all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So I sent a message to, to Millie and I'm, I'm pretty sure, by the way, that in every case... The mums are doing heavy lifting. To carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, the, 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 my recollection is on that play front. Okay, you know, I remember taking them on bike rides on the downs. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember making them cry because I made them cycle too far. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, nice. that's yeah. one of my nice Character memories. Building. Yeah. Anyway, so so I sort of messaged them yesterday saying, you know, do you remember that like when we, uh, I did stuff on my own with you more than mum did stuff on her own with you? Can I can I guess the answer? Millie just said, "This sounds like a trap." Yeah, <laughs> but did they remember? No, so no. they have no memory or nothing they're willing to share. So then I asked my in-laws because I thought they might back me up, but no, they said they can't remember either. So everyone's just like saying, "No, can't remember." But my memory is that I I spent a lot of time in playgrounds okay, with my so, kids. So now uh, the question is: Is this a false memory? From well, you? maybe. Yeah, Philippa would tell you it is. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if she's a reliable narrator. Um, and then, and then the question is: Does it matter that they can't remember consciously because it will have still had it some will have sort still of had formative that, effect? Yeah, it? yeah, it will have still had that effect. So Actually, I'm not sure that the explicit recall is is. I mean, it would be because, nice for you. It, I mean, it'd be nice to have some validation. Yeah, but I don't think it's necessary for no. it to have had a positive effect. No. But but there's good evidence that basically if you get involved as a father, you get 
you become more empathetic yourself, but also your children become more empathetic and are better at regulating emotions, uh, better at managing mental health issues. Um, and, um, and also you get to continue being involved as they get older. So, so that investment when your kids are young tends to lead to you uh, having a kind of continued relationship with them as they grow up, which is actually, you know, quite a big thing. Mm. Did, did you, so I'm really having to fight this and I feel like you might be the only other person I know who might be fighting a similar urge or might have fought a similar urge. So have you read, I think it was in, uh, it was probably in like a Freakonomics or something like that, where they talk about the the guy who uh, wanted to create chess grandmasters. You read that? No. Okay, so he's like, he's Eastern European. He's not particularly good at chess, but he, for some reason, he gets it in his head that he can definitely, through nurture, create children that are amazing at chess. Oh. And you're like, interesting. He puts an advert in a, in like a local newspaper basically saying, listen, I'm... I want to try and do this, but I need you know a partner who's going to be willing to do it with me. Uh, and you know, get in touch. Oh wait, if, he hasn't. If he, he hasn't got. He hasn't married got, or got no, a partner. No, no, or no, anything. no. He's just. He's just thought I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. So he's gone in with a plan, and so <laughs> some, someone. Yeah, someone goes. Yeah, go on then. He has kids. Uh, two, maybe three, two or three girls. Um, from when they're really young, he's getting them to like play with chess pieces, not as in. They obviously don't have to play yeah, yeah, chess, just, literally just, just like yeah. habituating. Yeah, yeah. Um and and then he teaches them the rules of chess as soon as he can. He gets them to play it, they love it, they start to get really good. Like he is not a good really like mad things. He's not a good chess player. Yeah. I think maybe his wife is quite good. I can't remember. The the sort of long story short, two or three, however many he has, all of them become chess grandmasters. Oh, I love it. Which is like, is Matt, and like one yeah, of yeah. them is, is is like the only person who've ever beaten so-and-so, so, so, you know, some, yeah, yeah, some yeah. luminary in the chess world. Yeah. It's mad that you kind of go, what? How? How? <laughs> like, And it might just, I mean, you have to entertain the idea that this is just a sort of mad confirmation bias where it just happens. But it feels like No, it feels doable. A, feels doable. It, do, it does feel doable. So, so my thing is, that puts quite a lot of pressure on because you're like, hold on, man, I could be doing some stuff here to get. Right, to, you're already missing the mark, aren't you? You know. Yeah, um, I mean, you're weeks in now. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. And so one of the funny things was when uh, when he was born, he was immediately like, as you'd expect, because he was tall and I'm tall. He was very long, right? Um, and the and and the nurse. Which Olympics are you aiming for? Yeah, <laughs> the nurses were like, they, they were. He, he didn't have a he, he didn't have a name at the time, so he was just called Kenny Boy. Uh, <laughs> that's Emus surname. Yeah, yeah. So just Kenny Boy, Kenny Boy. <laughs> and the nurses would be like, Kenny Boy. Oh, Kenny Boy is going to be in the NBA. Kenny Boy is going to yeah, be in yeah. the NBA. He's so long. And now in my head, I'm like. Am I just going to get some little sponge basketballs and just yes, sort you of, are. you know, just just start to drop them around the place? Start suggesting the idea because there's no the harm of, in it. The thought of him being in the NBA is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, but then I also don't want to be in a position where I'm effectively sort of running an experiment on my child. I don't. Or think do have, I? <laughs> I don't think you have to see it like that. No. I think you can. You can sort of 
encouraged down that pathway. You yeah. can open the pathway up and see, and if, see, if, see if he's up for if it. If he's up for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I you think have, that's it, have isn't to it? force yeah. him into it. But yeah. he might find himself to be actually a good good with the ball, good hand-eye yeah, coordination. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. quite feasible. And if he's tall, then great. Yeah. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be probably good at basketball. And there are worse things in life than being good at basketball, there right? There really are. Yeah. So, okay, I'm, I'm ordering, so you, right. I, you should I'm ordering the spongy basketball. You should definitely do it. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Is that, that he doesn't he, like he doesn't basketball. He doesn't like it and I, just, and I stop getting and, basketball stuff. And you're stuff. disappointed, that's yeah. all. But also not that disappointed. And if you hide the disappointment, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, don't tell him you're disappointed. Yeah, he's like, do you mind if I don't go to basketball practice? I'm like, no, no, That will fine. happen. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that, that I mean, is completely fine. Yeah, I'm glad I put that net up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing thing is, like Anna's research, she's found that actually um, every culture she's been around, like dads have this role of you know opening up pathways into the into the sort of you know quite often it's it's economic pathways. So so mm. they'll be um, they'll see themselves as in in Western society as like you know making sure you get into the best schools. Um, dad sort of you know arrange internships and you know try and sort of you know smooth the passage. If you're in a if you're in a society or a culture where actually just survival is is pretty hard, then the dad's role is to ensure survival. You know mm. keep that kid alive effectively. Mm. And there, might, there might be another sort of uh, culture where you know the important thing is to open up an economic opportunity. So you you know you find kid uh, dads taking kids to markets and sort of showing right. them how the market right. works and maybe introducing them to people who run you know the market stalls. And and so what she's found is that you know dads seem to have this role of you know doing the play doing lots of interaction and bonding that way, sort of developing that emotional resilience, the social cues, understanding how to read other people, how to interact with other people, and then helping them to take those skills and, and just sort of setting them on the path into the world. Is this true for father-son and father-daughter relationships? Yeah, it is. And and father daughter relationships are sort of slightly different in other ways, but but there's still a kind of the, consistent. Still, yeah, there's still mm, that consistent mm. sort of. This is the role of a father, basically. So you know, there's there's sort of it's not rocket science in a way. No, but it, and it, people are doing it's it naturally. It's cross cultural, though, isn't it? I quite it? like the idea of, a, of let's explicitly aim. That this is what you do as a dad. And this is what a good dad does. And if you do that, then you will open up you know, your kid to a positive experience of life and being able to handle a lot more stuff that's thrown at them. I suppose my question I really is... I feel like is, I wish I'd known this 20 years ago. Yeah, I bet your kids wish I'd known as well. But um, I feel like there's nothing that we've really said that means that it is the dad that has to do this. It could just, you could just as well switch roles. You could. With... With with the mother, like and I'm sure that's I'm sure that's possible, and I'm sure it's it's sort of. But if you don't have a dad around, mm. we are seeing like negatives. Yeah, in in kids' lives. But, but would you? Okay, so. Uh, oh, so I should less, say I should say a dad. Another 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 person. Basically, that, that's sort of what yeah, I, yeah what I mean is like there's going to be far fewer examples of this to study, but presumably. The mother not being there creates all sorts of problems. Yeah, as well. yeah. It's oh, yeah, like, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. Just I mean, it is complicated, and obviously, this is not a one size fits all. No. And you know, I, I guess what, in effect, she's saying is that when you have two parents bringing up a child, you get to sort of round out a lot of all the stuff that's really needed for you know success and, and thriving. Okay, so the question: What makes a good father? 
Should we hear what Anna had to say first? Yeah. A great father is somebody who takes the time to really get to know his child and who plays with his child because play, particularly rough and tumble play, is the biggest way you can create a strong bond and input into your child's development. I can do that. I mean, it's not asking a lot, is it? I can do that. That's no problem. And yet I'm already feeling like, I'm not sure I did enough of that. I bet you did. I think I probably did. It's sort of, I, I find it quite hard to resist. I mean, I'm not... Yeah. I mean, to be fair, at the, at the boy's age, like I say, basically doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. So I don't think he's particularly sort of uh, begging for me to play with him, but I'm still having a go. Yeah. Good. Well, that's good. I mean, that's all you need to do then. Yeah. You can go, go tell Ema, oh, yeah. my only role... It, tu- it turns out I'm actually smashing this email <laughs> so you, you can keep your criticisms to yourself and she didn't say anything about changing nappies <laughs> no but i actually quite like that do you yeah well it makes me feel like because i do think it is possible as a father to feel a bit like a spare part because i think that's true. there's lots of stuff that you just can't do yeah sort of physically certainly if certainly if the baby is is breastfeeding you're like well okay also um, i mean did you read as much as Ema did about sort of how to have a look after a young baby. Did, I, did you let her read the books or did you read the books as well? I I, I think I read more books. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I yeah, didn't. no, I, I was... But then there's some really good ones, like now, like expecting better would yeah. be. To anyone, if anyone is listening and you are on the pregnancy journey in any way, expecting better by, ah, I can't remember her name. She's also written a sort of follow-up called Crib Sheet that's good for once the once the kid is born, but Expecting Better is all about right. pregnancy. It's fantastic. She's an economist, and she's married to an economist, and so she <laughs> thinks about everything in a very specific way um, and, and, and effectively just analyses loads of, of data and studies and tells you what to... Uh, what's important and what isn't. Emily Oster. Emily Oster, that's her, yeah. Um, and I really, I highly recommend it. Because it's stuff like, um, you, you get really panicked about, oh my God, if I do this, is it going to adversely affect the child's development? Yeah. Both when it in womb and out. Um, and there's so much crap out there. Like, so much crap out there. And not as in, in, in the atmosphere, although that is also true. Um, but just sort of online... And in sort of old wives' tales and all this kind of stuff, and it, and it cuts through that really, really well. Um, and and we, I found it really useful, and Ema found it really useful that I'd sort of read it, so I could be like, no, no, you genuinely don't need to worry about that, or yes, no, we we should avoid that, or whatever, or, or, or do this. It was, I think it was, it was that was the best thing I read. But I read quite a few. The things that I struggle with are the sleep books, because it's like a huge industry. As you can imagine, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Every, everyone basically says different stuff. Yeah, you're like, well, yeah. this is, and they all say, "Oh, science says this," and then somebody else will say, "Science yeah. says something else." Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And you're like, "Oh, right." <laughs> Brilliant. And now, now you've got uh, Anna's book, "The Life of Dad," uh, which means, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm which, interested. Which yeah, means this... that you, you basically, you know, your takeaway from that is, uh, I need to do more rough and tumble play. Yeah, with Ema. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, look at this. Just, I mean, I was already looking forward to this, and I see um, one of the quotes on the back is from. Your friend of mine, Robin Dunbar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's lovely stuff. He's like a demigod to you, isn't he, Robin he, Dunbar? He is, actually. Yeah. 
Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Anna Machin. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.